You're listening to the P-Town Church Podcast. To learn more about our in-person services or additional sermon content like this, visit palcc.org. That's P-A-L-C-C dot O-R-G. The point of all of this is to bring us into God's glory by sanctifying us. We talked about what that meant during the communion meditation. To be sanctified by God means we fully understand just how special we are to Him. That He wants better for us. And part of that struggle that goes on in our life is Him trying to convince us that if we obey Him, better will happen for us. And the devil trying to convince us daily that if we do what we want and we follow after our desires, that that will be what is better. But normally that's a disaster. The only one that can sanctify us is the one who has been sanctified. And we use that verse from Hebrews 2.10 to describe that as Jesus. So our deep dive into Hebrews 7 this month is going to provide us with the historical context of Jesus' superior priesthood. Now the reason that's important is because the Hebrews writer is making a case that Jesus is not a priest in the line of Aaron, which would have been Moses' brother, and the Levites were the priests passed down from the time the law was given. But that Jesus was a priest in the order of Melchizedek. And this month we'll discover, especially today, we'll talk about why that's important and who Melchizedek was. Jesus' significant sanctity has set him apart from all other priests But he was also set apart as prophet and priest and king. And this means we can be confident that he can sanctify us too. In other words, he's the one who wants us to be better, do better. The practical value for us is Jesus will produce stellar results in our lives because of his stellar reputation. He will provide us with sacred protection as our sworn protector. We'll talk about that next week, or Seth will. And then later in the month, we'll talk about how he prepares us for a superlative salvation as our steadfast Savior. Now, what this does for us is it sanctifies us completely so we can live each day with great courage with great confidence, and with a great commission. So today, let's start with this idea of stellar sanctity in the significant sanctity of Jesus. This month, we'll talk about a better hope. We'll talk about a better salvation. We'll talk about a better covenant a little bit later on. Better promise. But I'm really concerned this today because of this weird aspect of hope becoming hype in our culture. What most present as hope these days is really just hype dressed up. What's the old saying that you can dress a pig up, but if you kiss him, he's still a pig? There's a number of books warning the hope 
There's a number of books warning the hope being presented these days, say, for instance, in the medical field, biotechnology, computer technology, is more hype than hope. So people are out there writing about how we have this great hope and how medicine can save us and technology can save us. Um, computers are going to be able to save us. But all of that's more hype than hope. But they live under the mindset that you fake it until you make it. And that's what really prevails in our modern day culture. If you can fool someone with hype long enough, you can fake it until someone else comes along and actually discovers something that will fit into your narrative of what you're saying is hopeful. For instance, Theranos fraudster Elizabeth Holmes, she fooled some of the biggest names in this country in investing in Theranos, but it was all a hope. Remember, Theranos was a machine she was developing in which you could put a little, just a little prick of blood, just a tiny little prick of blood, and it would tell you it would test it for like 150 or 160 different things. And people were using it for their blood sugar and for cancer testing and for all other kinds of things. <coughs> Excuse me. Why was she able to fool some of the biggest, most recognizable names in our country and get them to invest millions of dollars? Because she, she was good at offering hope. But it wasn't hope. It was hype. And most often in life, hype is offered for hope. And because we're so desperate, we may be empty and we may be anxious and we may have felt like we failed. We will believe hype. And we will live a fake it till you make it lifestyle. Just because it makes us think we're doing something positive. This is why it's so important for Jesus to help us. Because he offers us a better hope. His better hope is based upon his stellar reputation. Because only he can produce in us stellar results. And I'm going to say this unapologetically. It doesn't make any difference what you're hearing out there in the world. If Christ and obedience to scripture, biblical principle, following patterns is not a part of it, it is hype. Jesus offers us a better hope. That means that word better means stronger, nobler. It's a, it has a higher purpose for us. And he sanctifies us in this hope for this purpose of are discovering our better hope so we can live that out in a better life. And the fact that Jesus serves as our priest, like Melchizedek proves, his stellar reputation, because it is based upon the power of an indestructible life. Melchizedek, we don't know, talks about how we don't know when he's born or when he died. Jesus, we know when he was born, and we know he rose again, indestructible life. And this makes Jesus uniquely qualified to offer us a better hope by which we may draw near to God so he can guide us to stellar results. Jesus does not try to teach us out of his failure. 
He tries to teach us out of his perfection. Everybody else in the world who's offering you any kind of hope, most likely it's hype, is offering it out of their own failure or the failure they've discovered in others. This should give us great courage to live lives of sanctity without fear of others. Because when we look to others for answers for our hope, we also become afraid of others who might discourage us and judge us. So our deep dive into Hebrews 7 begins in the first section, which details the stellar reputation of Melchizedek. He was king of righteousness and peace as priest of God Most High. He was the archetype of Jesus as the priest forever. He was so great that he received the tenth from Abraham and and he blessed him. And unlike the Levitical priesthood, Jesus, who serves in the order of Melchizedek, was a perfect priest based upon his indestructible life. So he was able to set aside what was hype, weak and useless, and he introduced a better hope by which we draw near to God. Hebrews 6, verse 19 through 20, that we just studied said, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So let's look at the text that we're deep diving into today. Hebrews chapter 7, starting in verse 1. We're going to read down through verse 19. I don't know if this is a lengthy verse here, but it tells a little story about Melchizedek. And remember, anything it says about Melchizedek is also an archetype of what Jesus has fulfilled. Verse 1, this Melchizedek was king of Selim and priest of God most high. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Then also king of Salem means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi who become priests to collect a tenth from the people that is, from their fellow Israelites, and even though they also descended from Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. And without doubt, the lesser is blessed by the greater. In the one sense, the tenth is collected by the people who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham, because when Melchizedek met Abraham... Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. Now, perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law given to the people established this priesthood. Why was there still a need for another priest to come, one in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron? For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. He of whom these things are said belonged to a different tribe, and no one from that tribe had ever served at the altar for it is clear that our lords descended from Judah, and in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest not on the basis of regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis 
of the power of an indestructible life. Force declared your priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. The Hebrew writer here is making the case that the Levitical priesthood didn't bring, bring people closer to God. Uh, they tried for thousands of years to do that. They were still trying when Jesus came. When Jesus came, he set aside the former regulation because it was weak and useless. Couldn't make anybody perfect. And Jesus introduced the better hope which comes through him and his offering of an indestructible life by which we draw near to God. The purpose that Jesus has for us as our high priest is to offer this better hope so that it will give us every motivation and inspiration to be close to God. Why would we want to, why would we want to be close to God? Well, because we know he offers us a better hope, for one. We know that he has a better outcome planned for us, number two. That the reputation of our high priest Jesus is beyond compare, number three. So why wouldn't we want to be close to God, be on his team, draw near to him in obedience and faithfulness? I think one of the reasons is because people have a hard time getting excited about being drawn near to God. Hype, yeah. Oh man, we can get excited about lots of things. Just watch Twitter or Facebook reels or whatever and people at games or doing different things, they get real excited about a lot of things. People who are hyping products, they get excited about a lot of things. They can make it sound like it's the best thing, better than sliced bread. But we have to realize that excitement is not the same as encouragement. What God does is encourage. What does the word mean? Parakletos or paraklesis. It means he comes alongside us and he says, you can do it. Seems like excitement is more about us getting excited about someone else has, has done it. So we get excited about what they've done and we think that if we get close enough to them or do the same things that they do, wear their jerseys or eat their diets or whatever it is that we think that we can do, that that will, that that will change us. Might get us all excited, but only hope can truly change. Because only hope can truly encourage us. It's the only thing that can draw us near to God and that's the thing that we're really missing. All the other things might be byproducts of why we're not close to him. You see, Jesus has a stellar reputation as the great high priest. And so this should produce a better hope in our lives. For centuries, the priesthood had become nothing but hype historically for the Jews. The priesthood had become a politically motivated office which had become weak and useless. It was just kind of a policy and political office that engaged with 
whatever power overwhelmed the Jews at the time, whatever nation, whether it was the Greeks or the Romans, the Syrians, they were always under someone's thumb. But the priests were the politicians, so to speak, as part of the Sanhedrin. And they kept people, tried to get them excited through the different hype things that they offered. And in particular, during Jesus' day, the hype would have been, we have a Messiah, we have a Savior, he's going to come and he's going to destroy, completely destroy the enemies around us. So we must just remain faithful. We must remain faithful. And if we remain faithful, God will destroy all the enemies who have been over us. And they preach that same thing for a thousand years. When Jesus appeared, he appeared on the basis of true power. It was based upon the power of an indestructible life in, in that Jesus, his existence could not be destroyed. He laid down his physical life for us, but he has the power of an indestructible life because he stands by the right hand of the throne of God. You may be listening to someone who's offering you hype who will both die physically and spiritually. Their soul will die someday because they're not obeying God. Is that who you want to listen to? Jesus became a different kind of high priest. He was the one who offered a better hope so that we can live with great courage, not fear. Where's that courage come from? It comes from knowing that God is with you and you're living out his purpose for you. And when you do that, he's working out everything for you. So we don't have to worry or fear about what's going on geographically or uh, geopolitically around us. And if you want to look, what, uh, see what this might look like, read Fox's Book of Martyrs in which believers for centuries, no matter what was going on, they remained faithful to Jesus. They remained faithful to God. Some were murdered for him. You can't do that with excitement. You can only really do that when you have courage. Hebrews 6, 17-18 reminds us because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of His purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. He said that last week, week before. The stellar reputation of Jesus produces this better hope which is always set before us so that we can be greatly encouraged no matter what's going on circumstantially in our life. We think today that our stellar reputation is based upon attention. How many clicks, likes, followers we get online. People who get a lot of those things are then donned with the wonderful, incredible name of influencer. What's an influencer? It's someone who influences everybody that is on their sites, and whether it's doing makeup or clothes or buying boats or tractors or whatever. Plant in a garden, there's influencers. Most often, though, those who are just seeking attention from you, trying to get you all excited or just using hype, 
so that you will show them some love. Hype for hope has gotten so bad now that uh, some in Gen Z are getting so sick of the hype, they're becoming our quarter called de-influencers. They're going on these influencers' uh, websites or their, their posts and following them and saying, you know, what, you're, what they're telling you is a lie. And then they're proving it with, um, with data, so to speak. Facts, figures. Hype might excite us for a moment, but only hope can encourage us for eternity. Because this better hope that Jesus promises us produces stellar results. For centuries, Jesus had offered a better hope which allows us to draw near to God so we can live with full assurance in our life that what we're doing is honoring God. Um, Hebrews 10, verse 19 through 20 to, or 21 reminds us, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his, hope, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having heart sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having bodies washed with pure water. Now the stellar results produced by the better hope is that we can live unashamed in the presence of God so we can draw near to Him with sincerity of heart and full assurance because Jesus has cleansed us from guilty conscience and purified our life through his sacrifice. The devil's always trying to remind us you're bad. It goes back to what we talked about the communion. I'm imperfect, so I can't be holy. That's not true. Jesus is making us holy through this better promise. And we just have to learn to obey and overcome those things that are challenging us. Has anybody seen these new ads about Keto Plus ACV lately? Yeah, Garth Brooks, Tim McGraw, um, whomever. I don't know how that got on my Facebook uh, post, but anytime I'm posting something for the church on Facebook and then I go into the regular account. There's Tim McGraw telling me how he lost 43 pounds in two weeks. Or was it two days? I don't know. It was something like that. And all he had to do was take a, a gummy bear. Dr. Oz says so. Well, I don't know if any of that's true. I mean, if you want to try it, it's fine. If they have data behind it, you want to try those different kinds, that's okay. But the reason that they make those ads is because millions of people will start buying and trying these things. And the only proof that will be in the pudding is if that if millions of people, maybe people you know, within two weeks of them starting to take the, the gummy bears, they've lost significant amounts of weight. Because, you know, there's some proof in that. There may be some truth in that. But how many weight loss ads do we receive almost every day that says this is the magic thing to do? You don't have to exercise. You don't have to stop eating. Just take this pill and it'll fix everything else. There's a lot of hype in this world that people are offering to us that is not hope. 
true hope is found in our drawing near to God and whatever it is that we need to work out. Here's the promise of Hebrews 10 is whatever we got to work out, he'll help us work out. So don't look to people you don't even know, but look through God for these kinds of things. And even with that, you got to be careful because there's some shysters in God's family, too. who will say, you know, just do this and it will solve all your problems. Jesus offers us a better hope. And that better hope is found in us overcoming every day by being obedient to God. That's what makes us perfect. We sometimes forget that the stellar sanctity Jesus produces in us is meant to sanctify us, not make us sanctimonious. And that's another thing you can determine if something's hyper-hope. The corrupt priests in the line of Aaron had become sanctimonious politicians, and they used the hype of sanctimony to keep the people in check. We are better than you. We wear these clothes that make us superior to you. When you see us, you've got to get, us, get out of our way because we are better. All it did was make them sanctimonious politicians. And it robbed the people of their hope. And if you don't believe that, read Matthew 23. Jesus details it very clearly in the chapter of woes. Now, we be careful to do that. We can't do that same thing today. We can't allow sanctimony to displace the significant stellar sanctity Jesus has produced in us through a better hope. That's why 1 Peter 2 reminds us in verse 9 and 10, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. There's a new alert. That's right out of my pocket. Sorry. That's another thing that phones do is they aggravate you. I meant to turn that down. There's a little alert from WHIO. Anybody else get it? There's a storm coming. Anyway. First Peter, we are special a special possession, chosen people of God. We're royal priests in the line of Melchizedek, just like Jesus was. We can become a holy nation. And all we're called to do is to declare the praises of Him who's called us out of darkness and into His wonderful light. And we do that with humility, with sanctity, not sanctimony. People in church, they sometimes fall into the same trap where you got to look like me, sound like me, be like me in order to be like Jesus. Why don't we all just say, well, let's just be like Jesus. And what Jesus does is he takes what's special and unique and wonderful about each one of us. And he says, I will use it for my purposes so you declare people who are just like you out of darkness and into the wonderful light. I was at Christian Youth Conference when I was a teenager. And every evening after the chapel services, they called it Christ Powered Encounter or something like that. We'd go to our, go with our church groups to our designated place for time of discussion and prayer. And so 
Uh, Christ in was pretty, pretty intense in the spiritual realm in terms of the influence it would have on kids. And um, I remember we were in the prayer circle, and as we were going around the prayer circle, I was just so deeply convicted by something. Um, I had been thinking about it for a while, but I just couldn't publicly make it uh, the statement towards it. And I, I, don't, I don't remember that I ever did this, you know, going forward and saying anything like this. But when the prayer circle came around to me, I just said, excuse me, Lord, I have, just want to tell my friends something. And I said, I've decided that I'm going to become a preacher and give my life full-time Christian service. And then I just continued in my prayer. <laughs> I think my mom and dad were there and my friends were there and everybody's like, ah! you know, one of those different kinds of things. It was then for me as a teenager, the reality of stellar sanctity set in. Everyone I knew would come to understand that I was choosing to be God's person a royal priest, his solely servant. And I've spent the last 46 years declaring his praises, declaring those who are in darkness and trying to bring them into the light. Now, I'll probably never be famous or notable like maybe some other preachers. It doesn't matter to me. Because I know the stellar results that God is producing because of his stellar reputation in my life. He offered me a better hope years ago. And I know that he has me right where I need to, more right where he wants me doing the, the right thing that he wants me to do. And I will trust God that he will work all things together for my good and for all of yours as well. That's what it means to be sanctified. And as we talk about this sanctity all month long, we remember Jesus, he was sanctified through his suffering and he's working hard to make us holy as God is holy. But remember what holiness means. It means you're finding your mission from God in life to declare his praises to other people, people like you, people who need to hear the word and sometimes when we think about it, we complicate this too much with it. Oh, I, if I could just find the right person to talk to about Jesus, I would. And we forget that God has put the right person right in front of us every day, several times a day. Instead of thinking how to work out my, my, um, my apology for Christ and all this sort of thing, just remember, declare his praises. And invite people to come out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Right where you are. And you'll discover that better hope. And you'll have that wonderful courage as you draw near to God in your mission. Let's pray. Father, we are truly grateful for this opportunity to begin our deep dive in Hebrews chapter 7. And I pray, Lord, that even though we didn't go into depth about the historical background of Melchizedek that if folks here need to dig a little bit more they can go right back into scripture and do that
But we get the sense from the teaching today that Melchizedek existed because he was to show or be a type of what Jesus would become as a high priest. Basis of indestructible life, not on ancestry. Then only he's the one that can give us a better hope. Because he says, come on, come near to God. Come into the holy place. Let's talk about it. Let's work through it. I'm not surprised by your sin. I'm not surprised by your failure. I'm not surprised by your weakness. I see it. Let's just sit down here and talk about it. That way, when you can figure it out for yourself, you can go help someone who's struggling with the same thing in their life. Help us, Lord, to just do that simple thing this week. We don't have to be perfect. We have to be willing. Help us to be willing, Father, to be sanctified holy as you are. We're mindful, Father, those in our family who need our prayers. We lift them up. We ask, Lord, that you would bless this church. Help each of us to be responsible for bringing new people from the darkness into the light that we share here. I make this my prayer in Jesus' precious name. Let all God's people say.